Hi there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Travel Exchange Podcast brought to you by Herman Global, a strategic tourism marketing firm providing inspirational thoughts that are worldwide and worth sharing. You can find more information about us on www.hermanglobal.com. Hello and good morning to the Travel Exchange Podcast. Today it's Wednesday, April 1, 2020, and we are broadcasting live here from Lander, Wyoming, which is located in the United States. My name is Florian Herman, and I'm the CEO of Herman Global. We are a tourism marketing firm. We specialize on strategic planning as well as marketing campaigns, mainly for tourism destinations, attractions, and businesses. And so we started this podcast because we wanted to just... Um, I would say entertain, but also provide really good information about marketing, but also strategic planning, but also how we kind of getting through the current situation with COVID. And I understand a lot of people have, cannot hear the word anymore, COVID. It's kind of really uh, a negative word. And we kind of uh, try to encourage positive thoughts to our audience to say, this is a very special time. and um, things are very different right now. And I wanted to kind of share with listeners to say, what can we do in this special time that we are facing right now as marketers, as tourism marketers? And I think what we are really looking at is we're looking at the whole world. So this is not a problem here in the United States. This is a global problem. So in each of these episodes, we're going to talk about different topics and um, last time we had the topic about the whole world and how this is kind of impacting it but we want to drill it down a little bit today and talk specifically about Asia and China and with me on the show is actually Matt Grayson. Matt is the director of the Americas of uh, a company called Dragon Trail and Dragon Trail is a uh, Chinese or international um, marketing agency that focuses on digital marketing, but especially in China. Welcome to the show, Matt. I'm glad you're here. Thanks a lot, Florian. Uh, thanks for having me today. I only wish it could be under uh, better circumstances, but I'm uh, anxious to, to talk to you and uh, see what information we can share today. Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, I know you. I've seen you at conferences around the world. Um, and uh, I know you guys are very, very sophisticated in digital marketing and also um, strategic planning for uh, kind of tourism destinations or attractions to attract the, the Chinese market especially. But before we dive in, can you just tell us exactly what you're doing uh, with your company, what your expertise is, so then, then we can ask you some questions. Sure, yeah. Uh, Dragon Trail Interactive is based in China. Our headquarters is in Beijing. And we have offices uh, in Shanghai and Xi'an as well. Uh, outside of China, we have an office in London for Europe, the Middle East and Africa, and me on this side uh, for the Americas. And we are a, a digital marketing and social media marketing company. Uh, it's focused on the outbound Chinese travel industry. We've got clients, I think, now in 28 countries. And we help them uh, develop their presence on Weibo, uh, WeChat, uh, short form videos, 
longer uh, destination videos, um, websites, anything that's digital or social, uh, we have our hand in. So um, what makes us a little different is we're really focused on the Chinese outbound market and we're really focused on the digital and social aspect of, of marketing. We're not necessarily your boots on the ground, but we're your boots, uh, so to speak, uh, on the Internet and through social media. Wonderful. Yeah, that's good. I'm looking into some answers. I mean, everyone is looking for answers right now. And uh, there is big, there's big questions. I mean, the most important question is, well, we, we are in the situation right now where the, the industry, the tourism industry is at a standstill. I mean, you know, planes are not flying very much, just a few. I mean, traveling, especially international travel, has kind of, we can say, to a complete hold. So, I mean, this is a really very unusual and serious situation right now. Um, but I wanted to ask a few high-level questions, uh, specifically, specifically about China. Um, so... I know that this is kind of a wave that's going through the world right now. The COVID breakout started early in January in China, in Wuhan, in that province. Um, but then kind of uh, later kind of migrated over to Europe, which is now kind of the epicenter. And it seems like now the U.S. is becoming the epicenter. But I wanted to ask you, Matt, um, in China, what when you have an, an office there, What do people tell you in China? What's the current situation there? Is it normalizing? What do you see there? Yeah, I hesitate to use the word normal about anything that's going on um, right now. Uh, I think things are definitely um, getting back to some sort of normal. Um, it definitely seems like the worst is over. Um, Domestic tourism there is kind of making some tentative steps about opening up, uh, but it's really controlled at the moment because, of course, they don't want to have uh, interprovincial travel to spur yet another outbreak. So it's tightly controlled at the moment. Um, for example, you can't fly directly into Beijing now. Uh, if there are flights coming into China, I think there's 12 uh, airports that you can fly into where they do a complete health screen and they put you into a mandatory 14-day quarantine. Um, so, you know, there is some travel activity occurring. Um, I know in Shanghai in the last few – within the last week, some, some attractions – Uh, were opened up, some museums were opened up, but some of them closed back after a few days because of worries uh, about uh, asymptomatic carriers that may be visiting and maybe uh, causing uh, you know, uh, the, the curve not to flatten as much as they would want. So um, we definitely see signs of things that are trying to get back to normal, but it's really one of those situations where there are two steps forward and a step back when something would open. And then out of abundance of caution, it's closed or limited. So, um, you know, there's, like I say, normal is a relative term mm -hmm. uh, in most cases. But in this, in this case, there are some uh, baby steps heading in that direction. Hopefully it'll pick up. Uh, over the next few weeks and definitely the next few months. Yeah, totally agree. So I think the latest developments, what I've seen is 
they kind of now see the cases coming back from the outside. People right. who lived in Europe and said, well, I think I would rather, I'm a resident from China, I would rather go to China back. But it seems like the case is coming back that way through being imported by residents and travelers. Um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting situation. I think overall we understand like this situation will just be under control once we have kind of a vaccine or kind of medication on this. But um, well, I've had an interview last or on Sunday, just a few days ago, and I interviewed someone from China, Matthias Lorieri, and uh, he lives there. And he said the, the Chinese, they, you know, they go out again. You can see they're wearing masks everywhere, um, they're, but they're going shopping again. They're going in restaurants. Uh, the, the lockdown is being lifted in, in some areas slightly. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the travel behavior since I think, I believe the Chinese, they will just have the Chinese consumers, travelers, they just, first they want to get back on the feet, go back to work probably. But um, I wanted to see, like ask you, Matt, um, when do you think they will start thinking about traveling again? Like worldwide, regional, what do you see there? Do you have a time frame in mind or what's kind of their sentiment of traveling? Right. Um, there's a lot of research that's coming out about that now that there is sort of a light appearing at the end of the tunnel. I think the Chinese, to their credit, during all this, never really stopped thinking about travel. It's, uh, we could see from our WeChat rankings that we that we compile every week that there were there's certainly interest in, in the in the world outside of the quarantine, and there was definitely an interest in, um, you know, aspirational type messaging of, you know, we'll be here when you're ready to travel uh, type of type of messaging. Um, and there's been a lot of, a lot of things that I've seen recently, and especially some things that we uh, published within the last few weeks um, that said that um, we kind of divided the respondents into two groups, the, the most optimistic group and the most pessimistic group, I guess. And um, the optimistic group really indicated they thought the, that things would start to return to normal in May. And the, the, the more pessimistic group seemed to think things would start to normalize in June and the crisis would be over in June. So it's pretty tight time frame. Uh, on the tr uh, Chinese traveler side where they see that May, June is kind of the time frame when they see that the crisis is over and things will start to kind of get back to normal. But what's interesting about it is if you ask, if you ask them the question then, okay, when are they going to travel specifically after the worst is over, things kind of get a little bit more murky because um, the most chosen response that we saw uh, was next year that they would be traveling next year, even if things kind of got back to normal in in the May June timeframe. Um, there was a kind of an uptick in interest in travel around the October holidays and kind of late summer and and into the fall. But um, you know, there's still so much unknown about when things are going to return to normal, when things are going to be opened up when the destinations outside of China will be open for tourism, that I think a lot of the Chinese are looking at, 
realistically looking at 2021 for their, you know, their first foray outside of the country. Um, and, you know, we're seeing this in kind of all the research that we're, that we're conducting and that we're compiling. Um, for example, uh, of those travelers that indicated they were going to be traveling uh, internationally for the Chinese New Year um, upcoming, the U.S. ranked fifth as a destination. It was behind Japan, Thailand, Singapore, and the U.K. But when we asked about well, what budget are you allocating for that travel, the U.S. was a clear winner. It was nearly double the budget that they were looking at spending on going to Japan. So I think, um, you know, as far as the sentiment of traveling to the U.S., there's there's always the interest there. There's always the, you know, they they want to devote the resources to it. It's just that right now, the the relationship really between the U.S. and China is just not really good at all. And you've there've been you know restrictions placed on travel on both sides, and um, you know. There's been a lot of good messaging by Brand USA and from some of the other uh, destinations that are very welcoming and encouraging. But without some type of breakthrough, I think at, at the diplomatic level, there may be a hangover effect that could really um, impair uh, the, the the speed of the recovery from China from China's Chinese travelers uh, to the U.S. So. That'll be something that'll bear watching uh, later on this year, just to see what kind of diplomatic uh, efforts are made to kind of normalize and, you know, for lack of a better term, make the 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 relationship between the countries more um, uh, collegial and friendly, and see if that translates into increased travel between the the two countries. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I I think. The Chinese will probably, I mean, your research is probably right. They would rather just maybe explore regional options first, like Japan. UK is interesting that this is ranking high. But um, So it seems like Europe, um, France, do you have any research on France? I'm just curious because that's very popular in Chinese as well as Italy, right? Right. Uh, I didn't see them in the top five. Um, okay. So, you know, they're, but one thing we did see, and you're right about the, the, the kind of the travel wave is that it's going to come back first more domestically than to the near abroad, you know, for the countries that border China or, or close to China. And then kind of like the, the, the last travel wave will be the, uh, to Europe and North America. So, um, we definitely see that in the neck in the summer, the domestic, travel within China is really going to pick up and hopefully uh, once the the urge to get out is satisfied and everybody's sort of reassured that things will return uh, back to normal then we'll see them venture further afield to the US and to France and to uh, the rest of Europe okay no that's uh, that's good feedback so I want to talk about two more things on the forecast, what I just envisioned. So I, I believe they want to travel. I mean, this is really, I mean, anywhere in the world, if you are kind of feel being quarantined and just being locked in the house, I mean, the world has become a place where, where travel is, is kind of a therapy. People love it. They, it's that, that cultural exchange. They love to travel and see things that are different. 
And I, I believe it will come back quicker than we think. I'm positive that way, just from a sentiment point of view. Um, they want to travel for sure. I think the number one reason what holds them back is, is safety. Um, right. And anywhere in the world. So that's not just the Chinese. And safety measures, I want to talk a little bit about this. Um, like, I know that in China, for example, in China, it's very uh, usual that they wear masks outside in these situations. Um, and I know we here in the Western civilized uh, societies, we, we just don't wear masks. We're not used to this. Right. If someone wears a mask in, in, a, in a grocery store, people are 10 feet away and saying, oh my gosh, that person's sick. Let's, this is a danger. But I think um, that is a question of, do you think the future of this after, after COVID, are we getting used to that more, that we are doing social distancing, wearing masks? And is this something what the Chinese kind of prefer for decision-making. So if a destination is, is, is kind of uh, very cautious about viruses, is something where they would rather prefer these destinations with, versus other ones? Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. I think that they're definitely going to be looking at sanitary conditions when they, when they really start venturing out again. And I think that's going to become a selling point, you know, that um, you may be touting your beaches, your mountains, your your lakes, but you'll also be touting your cleanliness and your, and your cleaning regimen as well. Um, and I think that, um, I th because like you say, the, the wearing of masks isn't something that you normally see in the U S and if you do, usually it is someone, um, you know, it is an international traveler. And, and I think that we're going to become more, I don't know, uh, attuned to that. And I think that it's going to be something that I think that won't stand out as much as it used to, because I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and you never see anybody walking around wearing a mask. But I think you're starting to see that more and more. And I think it will be something that'll be more, um, I don't want to say tolerated, but I think it'll become part of the new normal that they'll, that there will be more of that going on and it'll be more of a, uh, an accepted practice or something you just won't notice as much as you did, you know, pre-COVID, I, I guess. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how how intense that that kind of trend stays. If that's something that we see a lot more people just for their own safety and protection, and uh, from an abundance of caution, wearing masks, and just see how or if we have short memories and we'll kind of go back to um, way we do things and, and shaking hands and, um, you know, doing things the way they were pre-outbreak, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree on that. Um, so I want to talk about special, specifically about international travel and uh, crossing borders, um, meaning borders into the United States, the screening, the customs border patrol, immigration. I know that China has is very good and kind of screening the, the the health checks i think they do they measure temperatures at at airports they you know they they look at someone is coughing i mean this is something that they are very cautious about it and i believe for uh immigration into the united states that probably will be a major initiative what they're going to start is like when they once they start international travel again i i think we will see that there is uh maybe fever measuring but could you maybe just describe what you think will happen with immigration what they will do 
Yeah, and that's going to be a, a very, very interesting thing to watch because, as you know, um, for years, the travel industry has been sort of complaining uh, to uh, Homeland Security and other federal agencies that we're not very welcoming um, to international visitors and we're not very, um, uh, I guess, uh, understanding of just what how disorienting it can be to get off a plane and then try to go through a customs process where, you know, you may not speak the language and you may be, you know, you're jet lagged, you're disoriented. And so, you know, there, there, there's always been that kind of a, of a problem or perception of a problem. And now if you add the health screenings on top of that, it's just going to be uh, even, even, worse i think and so you know most of the airports that serve as gateways don't have a lot of facilities they you know you get off the plane especially they don't have spare capacity for extra rooms for for health screenings or for um you know enhanced sort of um health uh, questions and that kind of thing without really just holding the whole group up for uh, an extra long uh, period of time. So that's going to be interesting to see just what goes into place. And that really hasn't been much of the discussion yet. I think everybody's so worried about getting through the current period and trying to, to get, see the light at the end of the tunnel where things can really sort of start returning to normal, then start thinking about the, the screen. But that ought to be something that is really top of mind now so that we really have it down. We've got a good plan in place to, to conduct screenings in an efficient way and to uh, not really cast more um, you know, aspersions on the whole entry process as it is. So I, I agree with you there that that's something that we really need to be looking at now and not wait till uh, the return of uh, mass um, tourism is imminent before we kind of sort that out. Yeah, I, I this is kind of what I was thinking about. How will this look like? Because I'm, I believe, like once we have a vaccine in place, and uh, currently they say 12 to 18 months, but it could be even be longer. It could be also be shorter. It's a very hard uh, prediction right now to to make. But I think once we have a vaccine, then we will can use the term normalizing again on that. Um, so I, wanted to, I have two more questions for you, Matt. Um, sure. The one is, after the COVID situation in China, um, are they maybe avoiding bigger cities uh, like, let's say, New York, because what they have seen there, you know, what's happening? And do you think is maybe like visiting rural communities like national parks or something like this? Uh, is this maybe something that goes more into the mindset to say I would rather not avoid the cities because there might be some kind of outbreaks again, rather going into the smaller communities? Or do you think is this kind of stay the same? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I definitely think that there'll be an uptick in nature tourism and especially uh, off the beaten path uh, tourism. Uh, if, if you put yourself in the mind of uh, a Chinese visitor, they a lot of them have been quarantined in a big city. Um, you know, for several months. And so um, I think the last thing, well, maybe not the last thing, but I don't think it would be much of a priority to them to go and see, you know, 
another big city. I think they really want to get out and see, you know, some wide open spaces to be, uh, uh, you know, to drive um, between destinations to get out on an open road. Um, we're definitely seeing in, in the research that we've seen uh, an uptick in the, you know, the aspirational, you know, we want to see the mountains, we want to see the water, we want to see the beaches. And we're definitely seeing an uptick in travelers that want to propel themselves. You know, they don't, they want to uh, rent a car and, and hit the highway uh, and go at their own pace. I think, I think one of the things that we're going to see at the end of this is that, you know, the, the Chinese group market was already, you know, uh, falling, um, you know, in some places dramatically. And I think that this situation will kind of, uh, add some propellant to that because I think uh, they'll want to be more in charge of their own travel and go at their own pace. I think we'll see a more leisurely pace uh, to Chinese travel. I think if they're if they spend a couple of weeks in the U.S. and normally they'd go to four or five places, maybe maybe they would cut one or two of those out because they just don't want to be rushed. They don't want to um, you know, they want to relax and they want to enjoy uh, and actually experience the, the scenery that they're seeing. So I really do think that there will be uh, more interest in rural tourism. I think there will be more interest, definitely more interest in nature tourism uh, and more interest in uh, self-driving and so they can do it all at their own pace. Okay. No, I, I agree with that, but I'm just curious that, from an expert like you to see if that that kind of research supports it um what we probably see is an is an uptick here at least here in the united states i mean it would be interesting how destinations like venice and barcelona and amsterdam that really struggle with tremendously over tourism um kind of uh come back together after that but um no that's good information so i know that you i i saw that you guys had a webinar coming up about how should hotels um, and mainly also other attractions, but let's say maybe say the hospitality industry, what should they do right now um, in terms of marketing, uh, strategic planning uh, to prepare for this new area of tourism from Asia? I mean, what is your, do you want to share some thoughts on this? What, sh what should they do now? I mean, do, should they do some marketing? What should be the messaging? I mean, can you give us some thoughts on that? Okay, let me think about that for a little bit. Um, you know, anything tactical, I think that the travel and the you know, hotels and all shouldn't really do anything time sensitive. I think everything is sort of aspirational, welcoming, and um, most of all, uh, touting hygiene, honestly. Um, but I, you know, and it's kind of tricky right now with with the hotels and and and, and museums and all. Let me, let me ponder that just a second before yeah. we. And uh, so I can uh, see, so I can some... at least sound semi coherent when we're when sure. We're... 
So I, th- I can provide some comments on this. I think. Yes. So the um, I think what hotels and attractions and all these are currently doing, and it's a, first of all, this is a very terrifying time for for all of them because these are small businesses and it's all about survival right now for them. I mean, that's not just Asia; that's just the whole world. That's kind of and right. also their domestic travel. I mean. I just uh, have saw um, in the news that one of the hotels in Berlin, for example, exactly. that's, that's a very renovated hotel. They currently have two visitors, like two guests in the whole hotel. And that's kind of the average. I mean, it's, it is uh, uh, currently a devastating mm. time for the wow. hospitality industry and other ones, restaurants as well. But when it comes to hotels and restaurants, um, so I understand that marketing is just not a feasible situation right now. But... What are you guys doing or telling these right, hotels? Exactly. What are you guys telling them? Uh, what should they think about it right now? Should they think about uh, improving their customer service or focus, or let's say uh, adjusting their customer service to the Chinese travelers, mainly being more cautious on um, what they really want, you know, maybe providing more hand sanitizers or doing other things? I mean, is there kind of some. But what would you recommend them in these times to kind of say, if they want to attract the the Asian market again, what do they have to do different? Maybe is there more FIT coming versus group travel? I'm just want to get your thoughts on that. Right. I think, um, okay. I think, I think that really what it comes down to is one of the things that we've seen in our research is that the the pace of travel is likely to be a bit slower, uh, at least uh, at the beginning. That it won't be as they won't be as concerned with with seeing everything except and just doing more relaxing and more spending time with family. So I think anything when it comes to from a marketing perspective, just stress that it's it's a relaxing uh, time that there's plenty to do that's close that there's uh you know there's not a lot of it's not very hectic to get from one place to another that that there's enough to do on the property or there's enough to close by so you can kind of take your time and have a great experience and i would you know i think from now on that it you know having hand sanitizers and such in the lobby or or having sort of conspicuous cleaning uh, is a, is something because people don't want to go through this again and they don't want to be saying that they, that they can enjoy and not worry too much about their health uh, while they're there or afterward. So I think uh, uh, stressing a relaxing experience, um, um, a really good, uh, really good together time with their family and that they're going to be as sanitary as they could be. Uh, honestly, while they're, while they're, I think is a selling point. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. I know that we had some difficulties here with the connections, but uh, what I've heard is like the sanitary conditions are extremely important for them for making decisions, either if two operators or travel agents make decisions on a hotel to recommend it to their customers to stay in that hotel and as well as uh, for people going on TripAdvisor. I mean, in China, we don't have TripAdvisor, but other review sites to um, to kind of say, hey, this is a very good place for, for that specific market in Asia. 
So um, I have one more question. Is right. that in fact? Go ahead. Had, oh, go ahead, man. No, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to add one point to that. Is that um, it? Uh, if you don't have any Chinese speakers on on your on your staff, if you're a hotel or if you're a restaurant, and you get a sufficient quantity of of Chinese visitors, it may be worth it to have someone that can monitor the. Uh, the TripAdvisor type sites that are in that are um, popular in China, for example, like Mafengwo. Um, if you've had Chinese visitors, I guarantee you that they've left a uh, a review of you on that site. And it's always helpful to know what the Chinese visitors are saying about you, um, because it, it, of course, it can inform your marketing going forward and also give you. Um, some uh, tips on what to improve on later. And especially in this time, if, if they don't perceive your hotel or your restaurant as being clean or being um, uh, sanitary, you can bet that that will be noted in a review. And the Chinese tend to give very thorough reviews. So um, that is something to keep in mind that, um, you know, that, if uh, the the review process for the Chinese is something they take very seriously, so if they're it, to mo- monitoring it will really give you some good feedback on what the Chinese perceive about your your hotel, your attraction, and also gonna give you uh, uh, helpful hints for moving forward. So if you don't have someone on your staff that can monitor that for you, it's worth investing in an intern or someone that can. Uh, just on a weekly basis, kind of give you a review on what's being said about you so that it'll give you uh, good feedback moving forward. Okay, perfect. So uh, I know I have one non-COVID related question for China, but I'm sure you're you're perfect to answer this. And I think it's relevant for these small business communities like a, like a Best Western Hotel or uh, like a small tourism destinations that don't have a huge budget. But uh, so my question is, um, What's the best way at an affordable budget or maybe almost at a zero budget because that's what they're looking at for right now? What's the best way to communicate with the Chinese market? Uh, is WeChat, do they have to? I understand we have the business account of WeChat versus a, a consumer account or something like this, but it, what's, a, what's an easy way to communicate with the Chinese market that they come back and travel to the United States? Right. I, I think. The the best low cost option there is to take advantage of the Chinese use of social media and make it easy for them to promote you in their moments and their posts. If you're a hotel and there's a way that you could set up just uh, a WeChat, um, you know, like a pop up where they can take their picture in front of it. That would have uh, you know the name of the property, your 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 web address, your LinkedIn, or your uh, your WeChat account, if you have one, ways that you could use your Chinese visitors to help you promote yourself to China in China, because Chinese visitors normally post about six times a day when they travel, and so if you have you know Wi-Fi available, if you have something for them, you know, to give them an incentive to take a picture, to tell other people where they are. Um, that's something you can do 
fairly inexpensively and kind of take advantage of the networks that are that where they're posting uh, videos or they're posting uh, photos and kind of let them be your word of mouth advertising in China. Uh, you know, WeChat's ubiquitous. Everybody in China, there's a, more than a billion monthly active users of WeChat around the world. So if you get um, 20 or 30 Chinese visitors a week that are posting something about your hotel or your attraction and encouraging others, you know, to, to do the same, then uh, you're going to get a lot of free advertising that really didn't, or not free, you know, you've got to make a small investment to, to, to get something for them to, to take a picture of, but it, it's something that they can do to promote you, to promote you in China that really won't cost you much money at all. So I would just, you know, my, my advice is to take advantage of whatever you can do to get into the, the WeChat moments and postings of your visitors and kind of let them be your advertising in the market. Okay, I totally agree on that. So it's ultimately activate your Chinese peers, your kind of influencers, right. tour operators, travel agents, uh, past guests to see and reach out to them, yeah, ideally one-to-one -one and said, hey, please um, help us uh, promoting uh, you know, recommending our property or attraction to to the Chinese market or to the tour operators or, or something like this. I think I totally agree on that. No, I think that was um, excellent, a good information. And um, Matt, I really appreciate you gave us a lot of feedback. I think what came out of this for me was, um, you know, we will have a very soft year on international travel. I mean, that's obvious, but uh, there's hope for next year, for 2021. And ideally, from a marketing point of view, um, I think it is probably something that we should look into the second half of the year to kind of start the com communication to say that it's the world looks more stable again, and then ultimately reach out to the Chinese to see, hey, you know, the United States or Europe, we there are phenomenal destinations, businesses have been hurt um, as well as tourism destinations, and this is the time where Chinese can travel and. and you know, bring money into these communities again. I mean, do you agree on that? Oh, definitely. I think that, uh, you know, uh, 2021, I think will be the, uh, the focal point of the, of the rebound. And I think that, uh, you know, diplomacy aside, I think that the, the Chinese have demonstrated that they, they really want to see the U S and they really want to see Europe and they want to have unique experiences and, and uh, we're well positioned to take advantage of that, and it may be kind of kind of tough going, uh, you know, for the rest of 2020. But I think as as time passes and we may see a glimmer of hope at the end of the year, uh, really reaching full fruition into 2021, and uh, we'll be uh, well poised to kind of take advantage of that rebound. Wonderful. So that concludes our show today. We want to say thank you so much, Matt, for all the valuable insights for the audience. And um, yeah, so we will keep continuing uh, having conversations uh, during the situation here and what we can do now, especially. And um, we wish you and your company the best luck also going through that storm like all the other uh, companies as well. Um, you know, ultimately, we, I always say we are all in this together. This is an incredible opportunity for us as a tourism industry to grow closer together because 
um, you know, we, we are all kind of currently losers in it and we will be all winners in this then one time. So I think uh, that's kind of how I see it. And I appreciate the time, uh, Matt. And so tune in again for the next episodes. And uh, Matt, uh, to the, if the audience wants to learn more about your company, where do they find that information? Yeah, you can go to our web, uh, website, which is dragontrail.com, or follow us on LinkedIn at Dragon Trail Interactive. LinkedIn is where we tend to post uh, our research first, and uh, we also uh, post translations of other research that we come across that's relevant to the Chinese outbound travel industry. And while you're on our website, you can sign up for our um, newsletter where we have research and information information that we send out on a monthly basis. So uh, our website and our LinkedIn account are probably our two best ways of, of reaching us. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Matt. And hopefully we will have you again. Uh, I'll have you, have you again on the show in the future. You take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, under better circumstances. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to The Travel Exchange and you will hear from us regularly. You can find it online on iTunes, Spotify, and various other outlets. If you have any podcast topic ideas, you can use the contact form on our website, www.hermanglobal.com. <laughs>